Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Ladies, welcome to week six. This is our final session of the fall women's Bible study. We're so excited to hear what Pastor Ashley has to share with us today. Ladies, welcome to week six, our last session of studying Psalm 23 together. Man, it's been such an amazing time. The Lord's unpacked so much to me personally in this, even after decades of studying this passage. And my prayer for everyone watching, my prayer for all of you, is that He'll continue to do that. He'll continue to unpack ways to apply His living Word and this passage to our everyday lives, right? I'm excited about that. Let's go ahead and open Psalm 23. We're going to read it in its entirety, right? Because we're finally hitting the last verse together. Psalm 23, I'm going to read it out of the NASB. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's not about having everything we want, right? It's about having everything we need. I lack nothing. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We now know what that looks like. He leads me beside the quiet waters, away from the loud ones, beside the quiet ones. He restores my soul. I look to him and him alone to do that. He guides me in the paths of righteousness, those straight paths where he calls out to us. Why? For his name's sake. Even though... I walk through, not to, through the valley of just the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they don't scare me. They comfort me. You prepare a table, that mesa, that plateau before me, in the presence of my enemies. Those people that, you know what, I look at differently now, so they're not even my enemies anymore, right? Come on. You've anointed my head with oil. We know what that means. Has everything to do with curing all those things that ail us and preventing them from ever coming back. My cup now overflows. I understand just how much you do for me on a daily basis. God, you are blowing my mind, right? Verse 6, this is where we're going to land today. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So beautiful, right? Sometimes we forget when we read Scripture that the individuals that wrote the scriptures through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they didn't know that what they were writing, more often than not, they didn't understand that for the rest of time, individuals would be reading and digesting and studying what the Holy Spirit was writing through them. And I don't think we think about the fact that David wrote this, Psalm 23, as kind of a diary entry. Think about that. He was just 
he was just digesting what the Holy Spirit was speaking. Yeah. He didn't think, oh, let me sit down and write the inerrant word of God. Right. He's thinking, I'm going to just, Lord, I'm going to write what you're speaking to yeah. me. Yeah. What I'm feeling, what I'm oh, thinking, yeah. how you are yeah. truly speaking to me in this moment. Yeah. And you know what? Most, most theologians agree on the fact that when David wrote this, it was a deep, dark time of despair and fear and anxiety. He was a fugitive fleeing from Saul and his army. And he was hiding out. And that's when he penned this. A time of fear and anxiety that I can't possibly fathom. I've never had to run from my king and his army. And you know what I was thinking about this week too? We don't know this. But perhaps David's brothers, I mean, they fought for Saul and his army. Were they after him too? Think about it. And we know a little bit of what that can feel like sometimes, right? When we feel like our family's coming after us, when we feel like we're being attacked from all sides. But this is where David penned this beautiful poem as his diary entry. That spoke to me this week. I think... Mostly because I know a little bit about this fear and anxiety battle. I know a little bit about it. I know that anxiety, fear, depression, it can be caused by so many things. I know sometimes we as women, some of our anxiety can be caused by hormones. Anybody recognize that sometimes with specific cycles, right? Or our season of life. Anxiety can be caused by that. Anxiety can be caused by circumstances, like actual trauma. I was telling Pastor Angie this week, <laughs> um, I, have, I have experienced with the hormonal kind of anxiety. I have experienced with the life trauma type anxiety. There was one time I was in college and I was visiting a friend of mine uh, over Christmas holidays. And so I was flying uh, back home to Georgia to see my family. And it was right after 9-11 had happened. So 9-11 had happened and this, this was the Christmas after. And so I was flying on January 1st. And it was when all the new regulations and security measures had been passed. And I used to cut hair in college as like a side hustle, all right? So I remember I was traveling. I had I left the Traverse City, Michigan airport, and I was on a connecting uh, flight in Detroit. And so I was walking, uh, waiting at the concourse to board the plane, and they chose me to be randomly selected and searched. No big deal, right? I love to fly. I flew all the time. And in that moment that they did, they searched my big old purse that I was carrying. And somehow, under the lining of the purse, one of my straight razors from haircutting had slipped. Now, unfortunately, this is the same type of blade that had been used in the 9-11 attacks. And immediately, they called security alarms in the airport go off they take me into a room 
They, they literally detained me for hours, questioning me, calling my friends that lived in northern Michigan, wanting to know why I was there, what part of a plot I was. And I remember shaking, and I couldn't speak, and I was crying. I had no one around me. I wasn't allowed to make a phone call. There was all of this insane trauma. Can you Wow. <laughs> it was intense, friends. It was really intense. And I remember later that evening they allowed me to board a plane to Atlanta and I got to call my family right before. But I was red flagged for 10 years from that moment. And can I tell you that every time I drove near an airport, I began to shake? The actual deputies that had detained me called and checked in even a few times over the next couple years asking if I had travel planned. Just insane things, right? That began a journey of traumatic anxiety for me that I wrestled with for years and years to the point that my best friend, when I lived in when I lived in South Carolina and Tennessee, my best friend actually lived here in the Wenatchee area. We would met in college to the point where three days before her wedding, I had to call her and explain, I can't bear to walk into the airport. I can't be your maid of honor. And I missed her wedding because of this fight with anxiety. I understood in a way that a lot of people can't possibly, right? And there are strategies that I learned through psychology, through counselors, through meeting with doctors. There were strategies that I learned for coping. So many different strategies. And one of them that I personally found, because you know I fly all the time now, right? The Lord is so faithful to walk us through certain things. And there's a strategy that I learned that I to this day consistently practice. And is in that moment where your mind is reeling, in that moment where it jumps to the worst case scenario, you pause and you choose to stabilize your thought patterns according to reality. Yeah. Not to where your emotions are going, not to where you all of your fears end up landing, but making sure you're focusing, you're dwelling on what is truth. And there's so many different ways that people end up doing this. But as I read the 23rd Psalm, this week alone, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, this is what David was doing. In this moment, hiding out as a fugitive from Saul and the power of Saul's army, David is writing in his diary. He didn't realize it would be for me or for you as well. He was writing in his diary to remind his soul of what is true. To remind his mind and his heart of exactly what he needs to be dwelling on versus everything else that is surrounding him and he is facing. And you know what? He does this throughout the Psalms, doesn't he? 
If you go and you read through and read them truly as his diary entries, you will see so much of what David wrestles with. And I love Psalm 40, 42. I'm going to read it out of the NASB. But David is doing exactly this in this psalm as well. Scripture says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, right? As that deer is desperate. Oh, Lord, I can't breathe, right? Can't catch his breath. God, I need you. So my soul pants for you, oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Do you know what he's saying there? Lord, I, I, I want to see you face to face. I don't even want to walk this earth anymore. He's getting to that point. Do you see? I'm desperate for you, God, to the point of being ready to die. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. He's crying so much that he can't even eat. All he's eating or drinking are his tears. This is intense, right? While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Now, I don't know who they is. Is it the thoughts in his head? Is it the people around him? Is he talking about his tears? His tears seem to mock him. Where is your God? Verse 4. These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. What is he saying here? What am I doing? Why am I dealing with this? I used to be the worship leader. I used to be the dude leading the thing. And here I am. I'm struggling so bad that I'm ashamed. I used to be the one heading up all the Thanksgiving. And then look at where I am now. Verse 5. Why are you in despair, oh my soul? He stops and he goes, okay, wait, wait, wait. We got we to keep this thing in check. Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? And then he stops and he starts to tell his soul yes, what, yes. what it's going to dwell on. Yes. It's making that choice. Yes. Hope in God, yes. for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Yes. Verse 6, O oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. Since my soul is in despair, therefore I remember you. Yes. yes. Hallelujah. God, my soul is in a place where I can't even jank it out. Yeah. It, it is just deep and it's falling faster. So I'm going to stop since my soul is in despair. And God, I'm going to remember you. Yes. This is exactly what David's doing in the 23rd Psalm as well. And today I want to talk through three questions that are going to help us to know how to remember, how to dwell on what is really real in those dark moments. Maybe your dark moments do involve anxiety. Maybe they involve fear. Maybe they involve depression. Maybe it involves some sort of physical battle of health. Whatever it is, if it's your family bringing them back into relationship, whatever it is, I believe these three questions are not only unpacked in this last verse of the 23rd Psalm, but that God's going to use them to help us to remember what is real 
and to hold on to it, to dwell on it in a way that he can receive the glory from our reactions, from our emotions. Let's go back to the 23rd Psalm. Verse 6, surely, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me. David starts this last line of Psalm 23 with this word, surely. Okay, now I'm not quoting from the movie Airplane. Remember that one? Don't call me Shirley. Yeah. No, no, no. In the original language, this word surely, circle it, underline it, do whatever you have to do. It actually means I am certain. Of this, I am certain. So what the psalmist is saying after the entirety of the 23rd Psalm, he's stopping and he's going, okay, this is what I'm certain of. This is what I'm going to write down. This is what I'm going to list. This is what I'm going to dwell on. This is what I am going to remind myself. That's how he starts the last verse. And that's part of the question that I want to give you first. Number one, what am I certain of? Remember, these are questions that we're going to ask ourselves In our deepest, darkest moments, when we're walking through things that we never thought we'd have to face, we're going to stop and ask ourselves, what am I certain of? What am I choosing to dwell on? Okay? Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me. Now I want you to underline the word follow. That word there, honestly, in the NASB is not really an accurate translation. In the Hebrew, the word is radaf, and it means to chase after or pursue. To chase after or pursue. So the first thing that we're going to ask ourselves is, what am I certain of? We're going to remember that the Psalms are that type of diary where David has to pause and really decide, what am I going to dwell on? What am I certain of? What am I going to allow in? What am I going to give power to? Because what you dwell on, what you think on, what you allow in your head is what you are giving power to. And it will always grow. Whatever you dwell on will always grow. So we're asking ourselves what we're certain of first. And the second one is who is chasing me? Come on. Who is chasing me? The NASB said, goodness and loving kindness will follow me. Well, culture, here's that word follow now, and it means something very different than it did when I was a child, right? Or even a teenager, or Lord help me, even in college. Hello. (laughs) Telling my age. When we say the word follow, now, most of the time, we're talking about social media. We're talking about someone's willingness to click a button and to say, yes, you matter enough for me to care about what you're doing. And as I get alerts on what you're doing, I will decide whether it warrants a thumbs up or thumbs down or, oh, that coveted heart. (laughs) 
right? And that's what we think about following. So sometimes we get in that pattern, even in reading scripture, goodness and loving kindness will follow me. Well, now we're thinking, oh, well, God, you know what? Yeah, maybe, Lord, you click that approval button. You follow me. And Lord, as you get the alerts of what I'm doing in my life, you will decide whether you approve or disapprove. That is not what scripture is saying here. It's not what he's saying to pursue, to chase after his goodness and his loving kindness. Chase us. Pastor JF knows a little bit about pursuing. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I might blush a little bit. I remember when we met in college. I tell this story a lot because I love it. But <laughs> when we met in college, you know, we, uh, I was literally about to move across the United States to Colorado, and he was in the middle of an amazing music career in Nashville, Tennessee, and he was doing college there. And so, I mean, we were busy people, and I knew that I was crazy about him, but again, I got stuff to do. And... <laughs> And so I moved to Colorado, and I'm thinking, you know, he was a cool guy. And then, literally, like clockwork, every few weeks, that phone would ring. Mm -hmm. And it was John Fulton Wilkerson. (laughs) Every few weeks, he was making sure that regardless of whether I reciprocated, Mm -hmm. hear this, regardless of whether I responded in the way that he wanted, regardless of whether I expected it or cared for it, every few weeks he was calling me, letting me know what he thought about me, how he felt about me, what he desired for me. (laughs) Who he desired for me. But I want you to hear that because What David is saying is that, Lord, your goodness, whether I respond or not, whether I'm living the life that you desire for me or not, whether I am turning and accepting everything you're giving to me, whether I care or not, Lord, your your goodness is still chasing me. It's still pursuing me. Your mercy, Lord, you're constantly reminding me of how you see me. You're constantly telling me how much you love me. You're constant. Regardless of whether I care, regardless of whether I receive it, regardless of whether I hear it, still chasing Yes, still yes, pursuing, right. still always there. Always. I am certain that your goodness, your loving kindness, mm-hmm. another word for that in other translations is mercy. Yes. Your mercy, Lord, is always there. Mm-hmm. Psalm 23, I love the way that the New Living Translation says it because it's a lot closer to the original language in this passage says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. 
It wasn't just back then you did that, Lord. It wasn't just the one time that I said yes to you. It wasn't just that one experience and that one church service. And the, no, 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 no. All the days of my life. Knowing all the stuff I'm going to do. Knowing all the times I'm going to fail. Knowing how bad my thoughts will be sometimes and they'll spin out of control. Still pursuing. All the days of my life. So powerful. Let's go on a little further. Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Not just in the past, but now and you'll continue. And the last part of that verse. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when I was little, I would read that and I'd be like, oh, Lord, I'm never going to get to leave church. <laughs> I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Anybody else like raised in church and you're like, oh, we are here again. My kids are like that, right? And I thought that's what that meant. I'll dwell in the house of the Yes, Lord, we'll never get to go home for Sunday lunch. I'm dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> that's not what that means. If you look throughout Scripture, that phrase, the house of. The house of, it meant the family of, the lineage of. First Samuel 20 talks about the house of David, right? It talks about Jonathan making a covenant with the house of David. So it wasn't just David and his immediate family. It was everyone to follow. It's the entire lineage. We know that Luke talks about Jesus being a part of the house of David. That same lineage, it's, it's a family. Yes. So what is, what is he saying here? He's saying, I'll be in the family of God forever. What is he saying with that? That's the last question. So the first one is, what am I certain of? That seems so simple. But so often we have to stop and make that choice exactly as David knew he had to do all the time. We have to make that choice. Okay, I'm going to decide what I'm dwelling on. I'm going to decide what has power in my head. I need to make a choice about what I'm certain of. My feelings are not certain. They change. They change with every passing day. They change often with the moments and what we see. Even what we see isn't certain, friends. Well, well. We can't see the hearts of man. We can't understand all of the things that are going on behind. What are we certain of? What are we certain of? Number two, who is chasing me? So often we think we are being chased by our past, by our shame. We're being chased by consequences. And no, 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 that's not what Scripture says. His goodness his blessings chase you. His loving kindness, his mercy toward you, not his judgment. We think his judgment is chasing us, the consequences of even the things that we cause. No, 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 no. His goodness, his unfailing love, his mercy, that's what's chasing us. It's pursuing us regardless of whether we stop to let him catch us or not. And number three, number three, this is an important one, friends. Whose child is? Am I? Whose child am I? David said, I'm 
I'm in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. Not a physical structure. No, I am his kid. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking at that moment. It doesn't matter what I see or what I'm facing. I am his kid. Galatians 4. Before this passage, Scripture gives us the plan of salvation. It doesn't stop there. Verse 7, Scripture says, So you are no longer a slave. I want you to underline that. Because in our heads, we have a picture of what we know slavery to have been like and to be like in this day. But that actual word there was more of a bond servant. So in your Bibles, I want you to write... Um, employee. This is going to be important because so often we read this passage and we go, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a slave to sin anymore, right? That's what we're thinking. And, and now I'm God's child. But here's what I want you to see. A bond servant was someone who worked for the master for approval for some sort of pay and to be able to remain a bondservant. But scripture says that we're not that anymore. Galatians says, you are no longer a bondservant, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. What do I mean by that? Friends, we still so often we think oh I'm not a slave anymore I don't have the chains on me like I used to I belong to God now but we still have that employee bond servant mentality of Lord I gotta I gotta do all the right things I gotta make sure that I'm earning your approval God you're gonna kick me out of this place if I'm if I'm not doing all of the things in the right way and exactly what you're what you're thinking I should do Lord then I'm so afraid that you are going to dismiss me and invite someone to take my place and he said no 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 no. you're no longer that you're a child And you're not just a child. It's not that I just let you be in my house, in my family. You're an heir. Everything that's mine is yours. It is yours. It's not just for you to look at. It's for you to experience. It's for you to use. This is yours. So often we go, oh, yes, Lord, you you let me be in your house, but I'm I'm still needing to earn. I'm still, and if I'm not earning some sort of pay, right, it's just I'm earning the worthiness of even getting to be here. And that is from the enemy, friends. He said, you're my child. You're no longer a bondservant. You're not a slave. You're my child. And not just someone I tolerate. You're an heir. Everything is mine is yours. And I'm thrilled for it to be yours. I planned it that way. It wasn't some loophole that I forgot about. This was my plan. It's not that he didn't read the fine print, right? He said, this is the way I ordained it. I love that, friend. David knew this. This is why he continually reminded himself throughout all of the Psalms. And he ended the 23rd Psalm saying, okay, okay. And after all that, here's what I need to remember. I'll be his kid forever. That's right. It doesn't matter whether Saul finds me or not. That's right. 
It doesn't matter if I become the king that God desires for me. It doesn't matter. I'm his kid forever. All the days of my life and all into eternity. I am his. There's a peace that that brings that's unlike anything else. Right? So powerful. Jesus painted a similar picture. But it's one that so often, if we don't know the context, we miss some of the power of the picture that Jesus unpacked for us in so many ways. Anybody remember the story of the three little pigs from when you were little? Anybody remember that story? Right? It's a, I mean, gosh, we learn it like before even school. Right? So if I were to say the line of the big bad wolf and the three little pigs, you could probably finish it, right? So if I said, I'll huff and puff and blow your house down. Right? Like we all remember that. And we were taught that weird story as a child. Why? To teach us the principle of if you do the work beforehand, Right then, it pays off in the end. I think that was the, I think that was the lesson that they were trying to teach us with that. It mostly just scared me that wolves were going to come blow my house down. But, you know, there were stories like that. There are stories like that in every culture that we teach little children through nursery rhymes. We teach them through story books to teach specific lessons. Well, Jesus's time and culture had those as well. And we've talked about this before, but this is so important to unpack, especially in light of what David's trying to share with us here. In Jesus's time, they had similar stories. There were stories that were taught to children before they could read, before they entered into school. And like we just articulated stories that you don't really forget. And there was one story in particular that was taught to to really articulate the value of following the rules and staying in community. And this was a very strong Hebrew principle, a strong Hebrew value that was taught in every regard. And the story goes something like this. This is the Ashley version of it. There was a wealthy man with two sons. And one of the sons came to his father and he said, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait until you pass. I want it now. And that was particularly looked down on, not just because it sort of assumed that the son didn't care about his immediate family and his father in that relationship, but more so because the son was stating to the father, I'm leaving community. I'm walking away from this family unit. I'm walking away from our community. And I want to, I'm choosing to do that. The story goes that the father gives his inheritance to the son and then the son goes and squanders it, right? He goes to Israel's Vegas <laughs> and just parties hard until all the money's gone and he ends up eating and sleeping with the pigs 
And especially in the Jewish culture, it doesn't get lower than that, right? The pigs. And in that moment, as he's laying with the swine, the story is told that the son remembers a rule, a law that they have in community that says that if you leave community, you can only come back no longer as a son, but as a bondservant, as a slave. And that is allowed. It is not preferred, it is allowed. And so in that moment, that son stands up and he goes, I'm going to go and ask my father. Not that I can come back as a son, but because of that rule, I will ask him if I can come back as a slave or a bondservant, right? And so the story goes that the son takes the long journey back to his father's house. And in the story, the way everyone around Jesus knew it, including children, the story went like this. The son finally gets to his father's house, knocks on the door. The father opens the door. The son says, Father, I know that I've disgraced you. I've disgraced community. But I'm asking because I know what's allowed. I'm asking you, can I please come back no longer as a son, but as a slave? Can I do that? Father, will you allow it? And in the story, the way that it was taught in the Jewish culture, the father, the good Jewish father, says, no, son, I'm sorry. For the sake of community, we cannot receive you back in. And he closes the door, and then his family would have consoled him and told him for community's sake, he did the right thing. Now in Luke 15, Jesus is surrounded by so many people that knew that exact story. Most people don't realize that the majority of the parables that Jesus taught with were stories that everyone knew and Jesus just changed one thing. (laughs) People are asking Jesus, what is God the Father like? You know, we hear from so many rabbis, Jesus, what do you say he's like? And Jesus starts with telling about a shepherd and a sheep a lost sheep. And then he starts explaining about a person that's lost a coin. And then he goes into a story of a father with two sons. And everybody stops and goes, I know this story. I know this story. Jesus is going to tell that story. That's right. That's right, Jesus. God is concerned about the rules and he's concerned about community. You're right, Jesus. And I bet that the Pharisees were amen and in the back. Yes, you are right. And Jesus said there was a man with two sons. The one son asks for the inheritance. The father gives it to him. He squanders it. He's laying with the pigs. And in that moment, he says, you know what, I remember that rule. I remember that it is allowed. I remember that I, I could go back to my father's house and be a bondservant. And even the, bond, the slaves in my father's house have it better than this. I will do that. We'll pick up in Luke 15, verse 20. This is Jesus talking. 
telling the story. And I want you to picture with me that crowd because they are all nodding at that point. Even the little children in the front row are going, yeah, no, we know this one. Yeah, exactly. I was taught this in preschool. Yes. Got it, Jesus. Verse 20. So the son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. Whoa, 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 wait, Jesus. No, 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 that's not the story. Hey, Rabbi, you're messing it up. That is not how it's taught. And I can see the stiff necks going. And they're starting to look around and going, what is this man teaching? No, 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 no. Community is what's important, right? The rules, that's what's important. The greater good, that is what's important. Jesus and Jesus said, no, 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 no. The father looked up and saw him a long way off. And he didn't just see him and go, oh, that boy, what is he up to again? What? He's filled with love. His son. And he, he does the unthinkable. He runs. Yeah. Scripture says he runs to him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him. He kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Why do I tell you this story? There's a reason in that moment when Jesus was asked, what is God like? Jesus says, you need to figure out what you're certain of. He said, you need to know that this God of the universe, you need to understand how he thinks about you, how he sees you, what he desires for you. You're his kid. In this story, the way that Jesus told it, the symbols at the very end are so incredibly powerful and I want to leave you with these because I believe it's everything that David was trying to remind us of. The first, the father puts a robe on the son. What does that robe symbolize? Symbolizes, oh son, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are mine. I am putting my robe on you. You will look like me, right? Scripture talks about us being clothed in His righteousness. Ours is filthy rags. Ours is filthy rags that's been with the pigs. Right? He puts His clothes on us. The second is that ring. In that culture, the ring that they wore of the Father had everything to do with their authority. Why does He put that ring on Him? He said, now everything that's mine is yours. That's good. That's right. Your words now will command everything that I own. You're not just a son, you're an heir. That's right. It's all yours. You not only have access to it, but it will all work for you as you allow. Amen. And lastly, and we're going to close, the sandals. 
why did he put sandals on his feet? After reading, I realized that bond servants did not wear shoes in that day. And in that moment, the father said, don't you ever let yourself fall into the mentality of a bondservant. You are not a slave. You are my son. And every step that you take, that shoe that is on your foot, every step that you take, even the missteps, you will be reminded you are not trying to earn my love for you. You are not trying to earn what I have already said is yours. You will be reminded of whose child you are. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to pray with you. Whether you deal with anxiety or depression or fear or torment of some other kind, addiction, relationships around you that need healing, maybe it's your physical healing, whatever it is, in those moments that might feel darkest, in moments where you feel as David actually was, a fugitive running from something. It's so imperative, friends, to stop in that moment and ask what you're certain of. What am I certain of? My thoughts, they're not certain. (laughs) My emotions certainly aren't certain. What I see, I can't be certain of that. That shifts and changes. I'm gonna decide what I'm dwelling on. I'm going to list it. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to be so conscious of my thought life, my choices, what I let and allow to reside in my brain, understanding that not only I give it power, but it grows. It grows. What am I certain of? Then you're going to ask, who's chasing me? What am I so scared of? Because I feel like Saul and his army are chasing me, but no, 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 Lord, actually your goodness, (laughs) your blessings always find a way to me, Lord, and I don't understand it, but your love is what's chasing me. Your blessings are what's chasing me. Your mercy, your forgiveness, even before I ask it, it's always chasing me, God. You're always pursuing me. I'm going to remind myself of that, Lord, in those moments, being reminded And the most important of all, that I dwell in your family, God, forever. God, I'm your kid. Whose kid? Lord, I'm yours. Not a kid that's trying to earn. Not a kid that's trying to, oh, please, God, please let me stay. No, 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 no. You're mine. With every step that you take, you now get to be reminded. Because what's God like? He's that father that ran to you. He ran to you and you started talking about being, oh Lord, I'll earn it. And he's like, shh, uh, let's call in. Let's call in that robe. I need her to look like me, right? I'm going to put my righteousness on her. She doesn't have to earn that. I'm going to wrap her in who I am. I'm going to give her my authority. She'll be able to speak to things. And then because of my name, the Lord says, they will die. Her authority, life, 
in your tongue, yes. power. Yes. Amen? Amen. And the shoes on our feet. Yes. The shoes that will always remind us we're his kids. Sons, daughters. No longer, no longer trying to earn, trying to prove. He already did that. Lord, I ask that you somehow, with your amazing power, God, shift our thinking to understand these principles, Lord. That as we read scripture, we understand how fallible these individuals were, but how infallible your Holy Spirit is. And how you use broken, broken vessels, God, for your glory. Lord, help us to be conscious of what we are allowing in our minds and our thoughts to dwell. Help us to begin to list those certainties, God, from you and your word. Help us to always remember what you say chases us. That you're always pursuing all the days of our lives, God. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children. The second we say yes to you, God, the second we turned, we didn't even get to your doorstep. God, you were already running to us. Running to us, Lord. That we are your kids forever. Perfect acceptance. Your perfect love that we can never earn. I say it all the time, Lord, but someone needs to hear it. There's nothing we can do to make you love us more. There's nothing we can do to make you love us less. You have perfect love that pursues us all the days of our lives, God. Thank you for accepting us perfectly as your children. We love you and we praise you. And we thank you, God, for David. Thank you for his struggles that I'm sure he hated, Lord. But God, that you use to impact us so powerfully, God. Thank you for being willing and desiring to use broken people like yeah, us. Yeah, we love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We had an amazing time and we hope you did too. If you missed any of the sessions, you can catch up at cfan.church. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.